without a doubt, every time it's been a stop wait from my intuition, more information has come in. Hello and welcome to the Cancel Monday podcast, to the Cancel Monday podcast. Hello friends and future leaders, or maybe even current leaders. So today's episode is going to be about my lessons on leadership. So these are personal lessons that I've learnt throughout my career in leadership, which has been, I guess, like a few years now, maybe three years total. And then one day, hopefully, I'll be able to record another episode with more lessons. Either these ones will have evolved or updated or I'll have additional ones. So At this point in time, these are some of the key lessons that I've really had to learn. And I tell you what, like, if you're into personal growth, leadership will evolve you like nothing else, which is another thing. If you're wanting to get into leadership and you don't feel like getting challenged, like I, I highly recommend actually not getting into it because it is, it will really challenge everything about you, everything from your identity to how you communicate with people, your perceptions of yourself and others, how you work, how you work with people. Anyway, so much. The lessons that I've learned to start with, and this is probably the most difficult one for me to talk about, but in the theme of vulnerability and personal growth, I will of course tell you, and that is integrity around performance. So what I mean by integrity around performance is having performance expectations of people on my team, but then not actually meeting that performance myself. And this one, depending on who you talk to, everyone's going to have their own opinion of this. And I'm imagining that there could be managers that are like, well, it doesn't matter. Like they're the ones doing the work. They need to be the ones performing at their best. Personally, it feels wrong in my body to have an expectation of someone and then not also have that expectation of myself. And so this has been, I guess, one of those silver lining type of challenges in that it challenges me to grow and be a better performer as much as I expect that of other people. So for example, expecting someone to spend a lot of time doing high quality work when I'm doing very little, like that just feels wrong to me or particularly giving someone a lower performance when they've been asking for a lot of support and if I've done the same of my manager. So just kind of having that, like those differing expectations between what I have of myself and someone else. And I've really like caught myself in that because it kind of came up, like no one said it to me, but it came up internally, particularly when we were doing the annual, the end of year annual performance. I was really reflecting on some people's performance And then I was like, oh, I actually feel sick even like writing this out or putting this as a statement because I personally don't think I'm doing so well in this area either. And so that's really challenged me to then step up my performance so that I then feel comfortable having that same expectation of people on my team, which kind of leads into the other lesson around humility. So being humble around both getting things wrong, but also not necessarily being the best performer. And so having an expectation of performance is one thing, but then actually being a high performer or low performer or doing high quality work or low quality work is kind of a different thing, right? And so, yes, I can meet my own expectations 
and then have similar expectations of quality of work from other people but then I also need to be humble and okay that just because I'm the leader or the manager or whatever doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to be the best at anything and that's kind of like the whole point of having a team right is that actually I personally think that as a manager it's more beneficial for me to not be that great at a lot of the things that my team do like otherwise it would kind of be a bit pointless to have that person on the team if I could just do that myself and so being really humble around not instructing anyone on my team how to do things like I know I definitely have a habit of this is how you can do it like this is the best way this is the easiest way this is how you can do it with that with the least mistakes kind of thing but I need to have like the humbleness and the humility to be okay that someone else is going to do it differently and it's one of those beliefs that I believe so much but then when push comes to shove depending on how much I trust that person on my team, sometimes I'm not always as, sometimes I almost like step in a bit too much. And so it's really being able to step back, which is another lesson, which I'll get to in a moment, but also being humble around my, any of my decisions and admitting what I've made the wrong decision. This happened recently. I was with the other supervisors and I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And this is what is not going to happen or this is what my team is going to work on and this is not what the team is going to work on and then I essentially went and spoke to someone on my team and got more information that I hadn't got previously and then totally did a 180 on my decision and then went back to a lot of the supervisors and was like look I know I said this, but now we're going to go ahead with the opposite and I realized in that that's so important right because I could have just stubbornly proceeded with my initial decision so to avoid like embarrassment or appearing wrong or that, you know, I couldn't make up my mind or whatever, which is like none of the things. What I notice, like when you're honest about like, yes, I changed my mind, I got more information and that affected my decision and now I've made a different decision. There's like that honesty and vulnerability in that. Like, yes, someone may judge you on that and be like oh you know they said this and then they said this like can we trust any of their decisions but at the end of the day most people are going to be more appreciative that you changed your decision and was honest about it early than just stubbornly progressing with something that you knew deep down is wrong which kind of like ties back in to the integrity piece and how important that is because being honest about being wrong is requires both integrity and humility and so realizing how important these things are in leadership has been so critical and so helpful because it really helps me step back which is another lesson is like stepping in and stepping back um someone gave me the feedback the other day that i provide direction and sometimes i provide too much direction (laughs) i was like yep okay i agree with that i can yep I can totally understand. I can totally see that. And so it's that stepping in and stepping back because sometimes you do need to step in if that person's new or if they're really struggling, if they like literally don't know. And from your vantage advantage vantage point, you can see more information and see what's actually going on. Sometimes stepping in can be really helpful because that person's struggling and they might need your help or or something's about to go quite wrong and you need to stop it before that happens. But then 
what can happen I know for me is that because there's like oh they're struggling okay I'll step in and it's like well yeah sometimes they just need to struggle a little bit because they're in that like growth phase or that challenge phase where they haven't quite figured out how to do it themselves yet and so I just need to like step back and let them make that mistake and let them figure it out on their own and even like earlier than that like stepping back when it comes to the planning of a certain task. So I know for me, I'm like such a planner and organizer and I'm like, this is how we could do it. Like I've even thought about it. It's blah, 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 blah. They're just like, okay, well, where's my freedom? Where's like my autonomy to be able to own this? And it can be quite contradictory, right? Being like, okay, you own this and this is how it's going to go. And it's like, no, it's not. It's no, Molly, like (laughs) just step back and trust. And I find asking open questions. I know sometimes energetically, I don't find it so easy to step back. And so when I just ask open questions, like how would you go about this? What do you think is the best way? Is this something you're willing to work on and can achieve these kinds of questions, even though those last ones were closed questions. But nonetheless, It's about asking questions as opposed to saying statements like this needs to be done, this needs to be done, this needs to be done. And so it's really that stepping back element and it's actually being able to just step back and trust as well can be so good from a nervous system standpoint because you're literally just like relying on that person. Like it just, it's so relaxing to be able to rely on a person. I know a lot of people like, no, it's not, it's the most stressful thing to have to rely on people. It's like, Yeah, if you're stressed about relying on someone, then it means you're actually not trusting them. Because when you fully trust someone to do what they need to do, it's actually calming. Like you feel relaxed. You're like, they've got this. Like I don't need to be thinking about everything that needs to go, that is going to go wrong or could go wrong. Like they are more than capable to figure out anything themselves if it does go wrong. And so really be able to just like step back and allow and trust And I get that for a lot of people. It's like, well, they need to prove their trust first. I can be like this sometimes. It's it's particularly if someone has previously made a lot of mistakes, then I'm just like, oh, I don't trust them. And then I'm constantly stepping in, trying to like stop them from making mistakes. But sometimes, but some people just take a little bit longer to learn. And I get that like when there's something that it's quite critical and quite important that they don't make a mistake, like, yeah, fair enough, definitely step in there and make sure that doesn't happen or just kind of give that task to someone else but there's always going to be there's always going to be tasks that it's a little bit it's safer there's a bit more of a safety net like it's okay if they make a few mistakes in the process of learning and so even if that person has made mistakes in the past still giving them the opportunity to build the trust right so if they've made mistakes in the past then constantly stepping in is never going to give them the opportunity to prove even to themselves that they are reliable. And so particularly if something, an opportunity comes up where I'm like, okay, well, this is like, I don't need to be fully aware of this. Like this is an opportunity for them to really show, prove to themselves that they are reliable, they are trustworthy and they can actually do this job on, on their own. And so in those moments, it's just like fully stepping back right? And I know I've said stepping back a lot. It's not like, okay, you've got this. And then, you know, every day, like, how's it going? How far has it come? Like, what's happening with this? Blah, blah, blah. It's very much much just like, okay, like, you've got this. Let me know. 
next time we catch up at some point I might ask you about it or you can just tell me about it and so and then like not thinking about it constantly right because there's that energetics of it as well if you're like okay I've got to step back I've got to step back and then you're constantly thinking about it and you're thinking about it and you're still stressed and you just try to have a chat with that person and then it comes up that you're still thinking about it that's not that's not allowing and that's not stepping back because what that's going to do is that's probably just going to cause you more anxiety and the point of stepping back and allowing them to take responsibility is one because then it's empowering for that person and then also it's just a lot better for your nervous system and stress which is like i realized like when this kind of hit me that I had maybe been stepping in a bit too much where I didn't need to and then finally I was just like just allow right like that's a very feminine energy to just allow and it's something that's been a little bit unfamiliar for me because my whole team are males until recently I'm generally quite used to managing males working with males I recorded the last episode, two episodes ago, about the realities of working in a male-dominated industry, where I kind of like talk about that a little bit. But then really, I guess like using that feminine energy to just allow, particularly because like leadership is inherently masculine. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, hang on, like women can be leaders. Like what about feminine leadership? Like I'm all about feminine leadership. Direction and leading, like the word lead is in itself quite max masculine right like you're in front you're the dominant alpha providing the direction like they are all very masculine energies and so the feminine side of that is to allow is to not lead like but you can be a feminine leader but to be a feminine leader you have to almost not lead right and so it's a balancing of these energies of following and leading following and leading following and leading as opposed to just one or the other like leading providing the direction the whole time and being like yeah yeah i'm so feminine and then this is how we're going to do things it's like no that's kind of like convoluting it it's providing the direction when you need to so moving into the masculine energy and then just allowing and trusting that the people in your team can look after can look after you can look after the company can look after the project and just kind of you know appreciating that they have got this and then that's like the feminine element as well and there can be a bit of a delay when you allow i know for me everyone on my team is so used to me stepping in and directing that when I actually step back and allow they're like hang on is this like what's going on here like is she actually trusting us like what's going on so there's like a bit of a delay because they're kind of like waiting for me to step in and I'm like no 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 like you've got this it's like oh okay so like I've I've got the freedom to decide what to do here it's like yep like it's your choice like it's up to you like is it actually is it actually my choice are you just going to give me options and then tell me it's my choice (laughs) which is so common right like oh it's you know I'm allowing them I I gave them three options and they could choose which one it's like no you you really got to be like I trust you you're responsible like I believe in your personal power and your abilities this is up to you to make successful you're the responsible one here 
I'm going to go do something else and not be anxiously attached to your performance. And then when it comes to language and emotions, it's so important to lead by example. So just like if you're a parent with children, they're going to, children learn emotions by your emotions, not what you tell them the emotion is. It's the observation and the feelings in their body around your behaviors, tone of voice, expressions, reactions, these kinds of things. And it's going to be very similar in a workplace when you're the leader is people are going to really observe your language and emotions to calibrate and calibrate to that. Like a lot of people will subconsciously calibrate to the leader because it's, I've seen this a lot where people with a team will always calibrate to the leader. My personal theory, and I'm sure there's like the science about it is around um, humans being social creatures. And it's like the authority is the protector. And if you're on the authority side, then you're going to be looked after. And it's just like safer to be calibrated to the leader because then you kind of like belong in that team as opposed to being a potential outsider. That's my theory. It sounds right, but anyway. (laughs) And so with that, you got to lead by example because if you're consciously anxious and overworking and bitching about people and judgmental, you'll start to notice everyone else on your team starting to be the same. Like they'll start talking to you in a really anxious way and start talking to you or gossiping to you and you're probably like why is everyone complaining to me why is everyone whinging it's like well do you go and do that to them like do you just walk over to them and start whinging about this email or this call or whatever that someone said to you because they're very likely going to reflect that behavior back to you not always like if they're just a person that just doesn't do that then they're not going to start but if they have that behavior within them then they're more likely to calibrate to that behavior than say being calm and compassionate. So it really depends on like the types of behaviors and emotions you want to encourage in the team. Because like, if you're a very calm person, people aren't going to come to you very anxious. Like they might a little bit, but they'll notice that if they start talking to you and they're super anxious and like, Oh my God, this is going to happen. And you respond in a really calm way they're instantly going to be like, oh, okay, maybe I probably need to calm down. Like I had this experience where I was (laughs) freaking out about something. For the record, like I got a phone call and was told something was on fire. Okay. So like, I feel like I was warranted that I was a little bit anxious about it. But when I told one of the other guys who was actually more responsible for this, I think it was like an accident I was called. He was just like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. They called me about it. Yeah, it's all good. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, aren't you like a little bit stressed? He's like, like, for what reason? I'm like, wow, yeah, okay. I really, that really made me reflect on my behavior. And I was like, yeah, I probably didn't need to be quite, I guess, like anxious about it. That probably could have just been like calm and controlled like even though I did all the right things that I had like the energy of like oh my god what's happening and so that made me realize that the way you behave people are going to calibrate to that behavior 
And so particularly if there's people's emotions or the language they use with you, you don't like, then really reflect on like, well, how are you projecting those same behaviors onto them? Like what emotions are predominantly, what emotions do you predominantly project when you're in the office? Like, are you swearing down the phone? Are you smashing the keyboard quite anxiously? Are you snapping at people every time they ask? Or are you being like quite compassionate and considerate? And like, even when something goes wrong, are you being calm and thoughtful about it? Because people are going to start behaving that same way because they see that as like, okay, well, that's how the leader or the manager behaves. And so if I start talking to them all anxious, they're just going to respond very calmly and it's going to be really awkward. So it's probably better if I actually, you know, reflect on this unless I need to go to them to be calmed down and then that's okay. Initially, particularly if you have been quite anxious in the past and then you're like, okay, no, I'm going to be quite calm now. People will get frustrated about how calm you are because they're so anxious and you're calm and they're like, don't you care? Don't you blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, this is how you deal with things, like quite calmly, quite thoughtful. Even when you think of all the best leaders, like generally in leadership roles, being calm and thoughtful is a useful uh, behavior and emotion, just as a blanket statement, uh, particularly because often you'll have a lot of different people telling you a lot of different problems and there'll be a lot going on and it's always a lot easier to think through what needs to be done or how to respond or where you need to focus your attention when you're a lot more calm and thoughtful. Particularly like one of my favorite questions when people come to me and they're like, ah, oh, blah, 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 like a little bit panicked or frustrated or whatever. I'm getting a bit better at like being able to tell if it's like they're just dumping their emotions on me or if they actually want my input. And so depending on what mood I'm in, either I'll just like listen and be like, okay, okay, if I've got the time, otherwise, if I don't, if I've already got quite a lot on and I know that this conversation is probably going to be quite draining for me, I just ask, okay, what's the problem? What's the problem? Who do you have a problem with or who is creating this problem or who do you need to speak to or what's the next step? So these are like very, very basic coaching questions and they just work really well to help people get out of their thoughts and looping around whatever it is they're thinking of and just like, focusing on, okay, like what's the actual problem here? What's the action you need to take to solve the problem? And bringing people up from that problem mindset to the solution mindset as well. So sometimes just asking people what the problem is also helps them on their own figure out what the solution is, which I might do another episode on those different um, levels of problem to solution, which can be quite, knowing these questions can be quite empowering because if people are so used to coming to you with problems and you give them the solution, that kind of goes back to the humility where it's like you might actually not have all the answers and it might actually not be the best thing for you to give them the solution. Sometimes it's a lot better and a lot more empowering for that person to figure out the solution themselves, but it often does require you to put your coach hat on and ask certain questions to direct them to thinking of those solutions themselves. Which brings me to another lesson I've learnt. Well, actually, I kind of knew this, but I feel like it fits into this really well. I've really reflected on it and gotten a lot better at this. This is something that I've actually learnt a lot more through my coaching journey, through 
doing a coaching certification and then I guess like practicing at work a little bit and that is communication is not what is said it is about the response to what is said for example I was talking to someone on my team and I said something quite indirectly like I kind of mentioned a problem quite indirectly and what I mean by indirectly is something he did frustrated me and as opposed to directly saying when you did this that frustrated me I said oh I got really frustrated about this thing without actually directing it towards him and in my mind I was like oh no that was like really passive aggressive like I really should have said that more directly but then basically Later in the day, he came back and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that it would be so frustrating. Like I thought it'd be a lot easier. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. It's all good. Um, just, I guess, no for next time. And I realized in that moment that actually because he's more of a indirect listener, what's the word? So there's behavioral personalities. There's direct listeners and inferential listeners. So inferential is that... They hear what you don't say by what you say. So it's like the indirectness. And I realized because he's an inferential listener that if I had actually said that directly to him, he probably would have gotten quite offended and hurt that I had told him directly that I was frustrated by something that he asked me to do. Whereas by saying it indirectly, even though a lot of people would say that's passive aggressive, he actually had more accountability and was more, I suppose, like, yeah accountable for what happened and then was actually quite nice about it and so in that I realized it's not always about what is said but what is responded to what is said so because he actually responded in a somewhat positive way as in like we didn't have a conflict like he was quite um, accountable and apologetic about it then what I actually said and how I said it was actually correct for that situation even if someone else would say that that's passive aggressive, it actually ended up being more productive, me saying it indirectly than directly. And so if you do say something and it goes well, or if it doesn't go well, I actually quite like reflecting on, okay, like, what did I say? Like, what was my half in this conversation? And then did I get the response I wanted? And if I didn't, how could I adjust it regardless of what's like wrong or right? Because really it matters how they respond to you or how they respond to what is said, particularly if it's like you want them to understand something or they want you to understand something and it's, did they actually understand it? And if they didn't, how can you say it differently? Or if their understanding of what was said is different to what you mean, then that's an opportunity to explain what you mean if it matters to the situation. And so as opposed to saying, well, I said this, it's like, yeah, but what did they understand? Well, like what was their response? Because that's really what matters in the communication is their response to what you said, not what you actually said. And my next point ties into what I said about leadership being something that will grow you, that is probably one of the most challenging personal development experiences, and that's your insecurities will be on display. And what I mean by this is if you're insecure about not being included or feeling like you're losing control or not trusting or believing that people don't listen to you, 
the way you behave as a result of those insecurities will most likely put people offside. So, for example, if you believe that people don't understand you because they're not listening, then how you're going to communicate and what you say to them and the energy you communicate to them in is going to be a lot different than if you believe that they don't understand you because the way you said it is not consistent to maybe their thoughts. And so your insecurities are going to be on display in that regard because it's going to be very obvious to someone when you're behaving from that place of insecurity. They're going to be like, okay, oh, wow, like, um, yep, that was an overreaction or like, why did they react like that? Or that's kind of unexpected. Or even if it is consistent with your usual behavior, it's not really going to support an environment or culture of, of trust and collaboration. And so in leadership, it's critical to sort out your insecurities because when you're not managing a team, if you have insecurity, it's going to have less of an effect. Like it's going to affect you and your experience of work and being at a workplace, except if you're the leader and you have these insecurities, it's going to affect you and everyone on your team. And that's why I honestly believe that anyone that wants to be a good leader, because that's the other thing, right? Like there's a lot of people that just want to be a manager, but they don't necessarily want to be a really good leader. So if you want to be a really good leader, then it's critical to do certain personal development or self-development or get a coach or anyone to help you resolve your insecurities or even just to reflect on your insecurities. And it's like, okay, well, how, how am I behaving from a place of this insecurity or belief? For example, an insecurity that I see play out quite often is like control, lack of control, uh, and believing that people are leaving you out of a discussion on purpose. And this never, this never goes down well. Say if I believe that people are leaving me out of a discussion, the next time I talk to any of those people, I'm probably going to be like, why didn't you include me? Like next time I need to be told and that other person's going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, maybe it wasn't important for you or maybe it wasn't relevant for you or maybe we thought that you were busy doing something else. And so it will have a negative effect and that person will probably come away from that conversation and be like, oh, God, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, whoops, they're a bit on edge. Like, I hope they're okay kind of thing. And so being aware of and reflecting on your insecurities is so important to be a good leader and it doesn't mean you need to be perfect and you can't have any insecurities this is just really noticing your behaviors and your actions and your language and it's like is that coming from a place of insecurity like what's the underlying belief here that is causing me to behave in this way and really reflecting on that it's like okay well is that belief being proven is that warranted or am I just finding, you know, pieces of evidence to prove it, except I, if I actually have a unemotional discussion with someone about it, I realize that maybe like I was making assumptions about their intention or making assumptions about, you know, maybe they had an insecurity and then I, my insecurity reacted to their insecurity and then we had a conflict 
when actually both of you were just making assumptions about each other that were wrong, <laughs> which happens so often, right? But because you're the one in charge, be in charge of your emotions and your insecurities as well, because it's always going to, it kind of ties back to that leading by example. Because if you lead by example as of being able to reflect on your own behaviors and actions, then this is going to lead by example for everyone else in your team that they can do the same. And then last, but definitely, definitely not least, intuition is your best advisor. So yes, I say this through the lens of leadership, except at the end of the day, this helps anyone in any career at any level. And intuition really is, can often be your best advisor. And I don't necessarily mean like doing everything from a place of intuition. Like sometimes more often than not, you need to actually know information. Like you need to be able to know things and ask people for information. But oftentimes I find that in leadership, there's always going to be real complex problems because there's so many different personalities involved, right? So when you're working on your own on something, often you can work in isolation or you can kind of collaborate, but you're always just like responsible for like your piece of the pie. Whereas in leadership and in management, and yes, I use these words interchangeably because someone can be both or one or the other. In leadership and in management, because there are so many different people and personalities and opinions involved and so many moving parts, it's often not possible to logically understand all parts of it. And so it's really critical to be able to hear your intuition because your intuition is actually just your subconscious. And your subconscious is taking in a lot more information than your conscious mind. And so intuition is a lot less of like a woo-woo spiritual thing and a lot more of like a brain, psychological, nervous system, like body, intellect thing than it is just like new age fluff. And so being able to recognize your intuition and then to trust and follow your intuition can be so critical to your success in a leadership role because then it'll help you decide like what either what's the best way forward or how to have a conversation with someone or who to talk to or what information might be missing. Like, do you just need to pause and wait? And this has often happened with me quite a lot is I'm getting a lot of pressure to like, do this, make this decision, like get it done now. And I've had the intuition to like, no, like stop and wait. And it's not, it's different to procrastination because it's like a resistance. It's like, I want to do it, but then I have this body and energetic resistance to progressing almost like just like a no, like just stop, like just wait. Whereas procrastination for me is like, oh, I really don't want to do this. Whereas my intuition telling me to just wait is a lot different to that. And so I've been able to recognize that. And without a doubt, every time it's been a stop wait from my intuition, more information has come in, which is either totally changed the problem or totally changed how I would have decided about it or even totally changed my need to even have any input into it. And so if I had pushed ahead and done something about it and this new information came through, then it would have actually been a waste of my time. And so really listening to my intuition in those situations or even with conflict resolution and talking to people, 
subconsciously, again, it kind of like ties back to what I was talking about with like communication and your insecurities. Consciously, we may think like, oh, this person's this or this person's that or they're behaving this way because of this assumption. But your intuition will always tell you that like, no, they're not like just wait, maybe don't say anything or say it in this way or come at it from this energetic as opposed to the ego assumption, I suppose. So that covers it. I covered integrity, humility, stepping in, stepping back, leading by example with your language and emotions and behaviors. Communication is not about what is said. It is about the response to what is said. Your insecurities are on display, so sort them out. And intuition is your best advisor. So I feel like I've covered a lot just throughout the last few months. I was just like noting them down. I'm like, okay, what are some key lessons I've really learned in my, even in just like in the last year of being in my role. So that's that. And I'll speak to you next time.